Juice. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Juice. My name is Anirudh. And my name is Savan. And we're rambling, we're rambling Rex from Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to our podcast. If you find our content interesting, please consider subscribing. Additionally, check us out on Instagram at JuiceCast. Last episode, Ani and I broadly discussed the general market condition, U.S.-China relations with regards to technology, and the rise of new competitors in the global electric vehicle market. This week's episode's primary topic is about the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, its economic implications, and how the government and universities have been handling during these uncertain times. Here and there, we will sprinkle in discussion about foreign policy and latest technology, but this episode will be very healthcare-focused. Additionally, stay tuned till the end to hear our three recommended COVID stocks to help us understand the global health crisis. We also have a special guest on today's episode, Student Government Association's Health and Wellbeing Chair and our friend Mihir Kandarpa. Stay tuned for his interview later in the episode. Now on to our recent news. Off the southeast coast of the small island nation of Mauritius, the Japanese ship MV Wakashio has leaked 1,000 or more tons of crude oil into the bay and caused severe environmental damage to the region. Over 1,700 species in the marine region have been affected and experts warn that the spill can devastate the already crippled coral reefs in the area which have been the victim of coral bleaching due to climate change. Mauritius is a heavily tourism and sea-based economy. So in addition to the environmental damage, many citizens of the small country have had their livelihoods hindered by this horrible tragedy. As of now, the situation has stabilized with the remaining oil reservoirs in the ship having been cleared out to prevent further damage. But it's been a challenge to expunge the existing oil spill. Our thoughts at Juice are with the Mauritian people. It's definitely an understatement to call this ecological disaster a challenge, and we both hope international and Mauritian efforts pay off in the end. On the other side of the globe in Europe, on August 9th, the Eastern European country of Belarus held a presidential election amid anti-incumbent sentiment. President Alexander Lukashenko has been the head of state of the former Soviet country for more than 20 years and ruled under what some claim is authoritarian control. In the election, Lukashenko faced strong opposition from Svetlana Tishinkausakaya, a housewife and the spouse of a jailed Belarusian political activist. Results showed Lukashenko cruising to victory with a strong mandate but outside European and Western actors have contended that the legitimacy of the results prompted domestic backlash. Protesters have begun staging anti-government demonstrations across the country, which have erupted into violent clashes, leaving many injured and arrested. So, Ani, what are your thoughts on the current Belarus, Belarusian crisis? Because some say it harkens back to what we saw in Ukraine in 2014. Yeah, um, there are definitely some similarities in the protest and the violence that we see by the government. However, there are some key differences. For starters, Ukraine has had been much more democratic uh, before the Ukrainian revolution than Belarus. Lukashenko's government is much more author authoritarian. 
Also, there were many more historical and cultural differences in Western Ukraine and Eastern Ukraine. Western Ukraine oriented itself towards Western Europe and Eastern Ukraine towards Russia, leading to Russia exploiting this division, this weakness, and annexing Crimea. Definitely a complicated issue, to say the least. Now, let's talk about the latest economic news. Last week, we talked about the jobless claims reports, and in the latest jobless claims reports, there is some good news for the labor market. There was a total of 963,000 new jobless claims for the week ending on August 8th. This is a decrease of 228,000 from the previous report and much below the projection of 1.1 million from Dow Jones. This is also the first week of reporting below 1 million claims since March 21st. Yeah, this is definitely a great milestone, but the total number of continuing claims is 15.5 million. While a decrease of 604,000 from the previous report, it's significantly greater than the pre-pandemic levels. Also, the current unemployment of around 10% has also had a long has a long way to go uh, to reach the pre-pandemic low of 3.5%. However, we should be hopeful of recovery as the trend is in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see how this good news may impact the next stimulus package. This might actually make things harder for lawmakers who are pushing for $600 weekly uh, in unemployment but in unemployment benefits instead of the $400 in President Trump's executive order. Interesting. Let's also look at the latest housing developments. So last week we mentioned President Trump has issued us an eviction moratorium through his recent series of executive orders. But housing activists believe the moratorium is hollow and doesn't outright prevent eviction, which still remains a prominent issue during the pandemic. Many renters in large metropolitan cities haven't been able to keep up with rising costs and it's been reported that 30 million Americans are at risk of being evicted. The expiration of the $600 per week has largely been the cause of this, and without a direct congressional bill, many renters are stuck in a dire limbo. That concludes our news highlights of the week. We will turn our attention to the ongoing COVID pandemic. Stay tuned for our upcoming interview. For this discussion, we want to invite our special guest for this episode, Director of Georgia Outreach for the COVID Conversation, SGA's Health and Wellbeing Chair, and our dear friend, Mihir Kandarpa, to hear his thoughts on the impacts of the pandemic on healthcare and on the economy. Thank you, Suvan and Ani, for welcoming me to your podcast for this week. Hi, everyone. My name is Mihir Kandarpa, and I am a second-year industrial engineering major at Georgia Tech. I'm heavily invested in public health because there's a lot we can do to help improve healthcare disparities, especially in rural areas. As someone said, I am director of Georgia Outreach at the COVID Conversation, which is a Georgia student startup. I'm also in the Georgia Tech Student Government Association, chair of the Health and Wellbeing Committee. And I'm a student assistant at the Center for Health and Humanitarian Systems at Georgia Tech, where they focus on health and humanitarian logistics. Thank you so much, Mihir. Uh, you're super passionate about uh, public health and we're so glad that you came on. Now I'm gonna start off with some of the questions. Um, where's America right now in the terms of COVID cases, PPE availability, and testing? 
according to the CDC, we have about 5.3 million confirmed cases, including just under 135,000 amongst healthcare personnel that are confirmed. Unfortunately, we also have 168,000 deaths, including 1,000 more deaths within the past 24 hours. Uh, the overall death rate is approximately 2.54%. As far as PPE availability, we're seeing a lot of shortages, especially in smaller rural areas and uh, more remote clinics, mainly because they have been outbid by a lot of the larger hospital networks uh, in getting PPE and a lot of other resources. And this is a trend that we'll continue to see as cases continue to climb. Uh, as far as COVID testing, uh, we've seen a rate of positivity of approximately 9% since the first week of March. And it's been approximately 7% for the past two weeks. Uh, Bill Gates also commented on COVID-19 tests about two weeks ago, and he called it worthless, mainly because we don't get a lot of results that come within the last within 24 to 48 hours, which is detrimental to trying to help stop the spread. This is definitely a dire situation overall, but there is a glimmer of hope. So from what we're hearing, how would you describe the ongoing vaccine progress? There have been reports that Russia and China have already had domestic vaccines. And what do you think the current vaccine landscape looks like right now? So the uh, Russia and the Chinese vaccines are both still in phase three trials. So this is mass testing to see if the efficacy in humans. Um, the Russian president had declared that their vaccine is all ready for distribution. Unfortunately, the uh, health officials have, in Russia have been saying that uh, they do need to hold off on this until they get full results. But overall, um, we've seen over um, 40 uh, main vaccines that have entered the last few phases of testing. Also, as far as progress in testing, um, there is a clear difference now than what we've seen in previous vaccine development, mainly because there are estimates that these vaccines could be completed in record time, about a year to year and a half, which the fastest vaccine ever completed was in four years. So this is pretty incredible, and it's just a testament to the amount of technology we have. So we should definitely be hopeful that we can have a vaccine uh, come through soon. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've heard reports of um, possibly having a vaccine by next spring, and I'm really looking forward to that. And right now, the top contenders, as you mentioned, um, are Moderna and AstraZeneca. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, there's been a rise of contactless medicine. So what would you describe the future of healthcare delivery to be like? Are we going to see more telemedicine? What are your thoughts from here? So already we've seen a rise in telemedicine, but because of pandemic, uh, this has been thrust more into the limelight. Um, the only way that we would see more improvements uh, from in telemedicine would be if we expand our broadband networking. So this is something that uh, I'm sure a lot of state and federal governments will be focusing on more uh, as time progresses, but we should definitely see an increase in telemedicine. Yeah, definitely. And telemedicine is an industry that's going to explode. Um, and later on, we're going to talk about that in more detail. Um, now let's turn our attention to the economic side of things in here. Now, some people have found value and convenience in these virtual environments. Are there any industries that will be permanently affected by the pandemic? such as working from home, the way we shop, the way education will run? 
So uh, what we're seeing is a lot more remote work, uh, that's for sure, especially in the tech sector. Uh, for example, Google has extended their remote work until August 2021 for all of their employees. Uh, this is something that Amazon and um, other tech companies also followed suit with. But people are overall enjoying working from home uh, a lot more recently. Uh, a recent survey said that approximately 40% of people were um, enjoying their time at home. So this will definitely cause a difference in the housing market as well, which Zillow CEO was saying that, uh, and that we will see a lot of renovations in uh, homework. So overall, I think people are starting to realize the benefits of working from home if they can. Uh, in education, we're seeing that online universities are starting to have higher enrollments, mainly because students are starting to realize that they can get approximately the same level of education from these online universities as other in-person universities that have transitioned to online for a lower cost. So that's something we should be looking towards uh, for the next couple of years and see how it changes higher education in our country. Um, K-12 education has also moved to remote learning a lot more. And this is bringing questions as to how low-income uh, areas are able to address some of the issues uh, related to not having access to internet uh, and other resources. So there will definitely be a lot more discussions on how school districts can provide resources for um, those students. And finally, shopping. We've seen a, we've already been seeing a lot of increase in online shopping over the last several years, especially with Amazon. But because of the pandemic, it has been exacerbated. Um, there's lower consumer confidence in going to an uh, actual outdoor retail uh, store. And there are estimates that over 25,000 shops can close by the end of the year. So those are some areas we should definitely be um, watching as time progresses. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a lot of industries that are going to change as a response to COVID, but even in the long term, some of the changes might actually uh, be beneficial for consumers. Talking at, at the local level still, how has Georgia Tech specifically mobilized its resources for its COVID response? So um, what Georgia Tech has done a lot of is increase the amount of tests uh, for students. We have rapid tests, 24 to 48 hours for results. Uh, we have something called diagnostic uh, surveillance testing, essentially. Um, you test one person in a group, and if they come out positive, then we test everyone else in the group. Uh, so this helps make testing a little bit more efficient. Uh, Stamps Health Services has also set out an outdoor testing facility. Uh, the Department of Housing and Georgia Tech in general has provided space for any on-campus residents who need to quarantine to uh, be able to do that in specific uh, locations on campus. Um, housing policies with regards to guests have also changed. So non-residents are, for the most part, not allowed in uh, different residential areas. Uh, the class scheduling system, uh, that has also been changed so then we can provide better way to continue with uh, courses with limited social interaction. Um, Another thing that we've seen is student government association and um, student orgs in general have been encouraged and um, given a lot of incentive to hold most of their events virtually or in a uh, restricted social distance format. And finally, the most, one of the most important things is the NOVA tracking app, which is for contact tracing. So if you are living on campus, I highly encourage you to uh, download the application. It helps with trying to keep track of uh, who has been in contact with anyone that's tested positive. So please, if you have a chance, uh, definitely download that application. Definitely, um, one of the best ways that 
all of you can help is by following social distancing, staying six feet apart and wearing masks whenever you go out anywhere. Um, that's just to help stop spread of the virus. Uh, it, and it takes individuals like us to uh, make a difference. As far as COVID conversation, um, it would be wonderful if you can help donate to our fundraisers. We have some new fundraisers coming up pretty soon. Uh, we just finished up our most recent fundraiser for Piedmont Healthcare in Athens. And really, this is just to help these centers because they're struggling with lack of resources, lack of PPE. So whenever you can donate, not just COVID conversation, but also there are plenty of other organizations out there that have been collecting for um, some of these centers. And finally, if you get a chance, uh, check out at the COVID conversation on Instagram. Uh, we post a lot of great content with uh, regular updates on uh, anything public health related specifically uh, with regards to uh, testing and um, vaccine research. So please uh, do check it out. But thank you again, Sylvan and Ani, for welcoming me onto your uh, podcast for this week. Great to hear about this cause, and we hope the audience will consider helping. Thanks for. Wow, what a great discussion, Sylvan. Yeah, definitely learned a lot. Now it's time for our next topic, SpaceX. The U.S. Air Force awarded SpaceX and the United Launch Alliance, known as ULA, billions worth of national security launch contracts and CEO of SpaceX Elon Musk didn't hold back in criticizing his biggest rocket manufacturing competitor Musk said quote because their rockets are not reusable it will become obvious over time that ULA is a complete waste of taxpayer money <laughs> yeah Elon <laughs> Musk is definitely a savage in <laughs> mid-August SpaceX is set for its hundredth mission this one to send up Starlink satellites for low latency internet connectivity. More impressive than this milestone is that the booster selected for this mission could possibly be one that has already flown five times, which would make this a record. Successfully landing a booster and making it reusable saves SpaceX around quote 46.5 million of the 62 million price tag associated with the Falcon 9 launch, according to Inverse.com. This saving allows SpaceX to be more ambitious and look towards the future on Mars. Elon Musk is a legend, and I look forward to see what lies ahead for space, for space transportation and SpaceX. Sylvan, do you think we're ever going to reach Mars? Ooh, I hope we do it in my lifetime. I'm looking forward to maybe like 2030 or something, you know? Hopefully. I think there are plans to get there... I know there are plans to get to the moon by 2023, so it's, it's, it's coming, guys. Hey, if not Mars, a moon base would be kind of nice, too. Yeah. Anyway, the next topic Ani and I would like to talk about are three stocks we recommend adding to your portfolio. The first stock, and one of my personal favorites, has been Apple. Apple, as we know, is a technological behemoth, and its presence in hardware and the digital service sector is expansive. Across the board, Apple has registered a solid increase in revenue, causing its stock price to skyrocket past $400 for the first time ever. Apple also recently announced a four-for-one stock split, which will further incentivize new buyers to hop onto its stock. In recent years, the company has been foraying into the area of 5G technology, and it's announced that starting from now on, it will indigenously produce all of its own chips for the upcoming 5G adoption. The new iPhone 12 will most likely include 
key 5G technology and features, which might convince the millions of Apple consumers across the world to soon upgrade, thus skyrocketing demand. Apple is not also, not only betting on hardware upgrades to fuel growth, because they've also been hinting at the creation of a bundled subscription, subscription service similar to Amazon Prime called Apple One. This new business model will expand the scope of Apple's digital ecosystem and keep customers loyal for a while. The second stock that we recommend is Johnson & Johnson, a leader in the areas of pharmaceuticals, medical devices, and consumer health. This is a great investment, especially if you're looking to beat the market's volatility and make a stable income. Johnson & Johnson has been consistently paying dividends. Even during the pandemic, Johnson & Johnson continues to pay out dividends and has even increased its dividend from $0.95 cents to $1.01. Additionally, even when global sales of medical devices fell by 32.5% and consumer health sales dropped by 3.4% in the second quarter, its pharmaceuticals continued strongly. Its diversification in these three segments is the key to Johnson and Johnson's current and future success. On top of that, it is a key contender in the race to make a coronavirus vaccine. On July 26th, Johnson & Johnson reported promising results in its preclinical studies, and this potential vaccine could add value to this dividend aristocrat. We here at Juice consider Johnson & Johnson as a great dividend stock for you to buy and hold on to. The last stock recommendation for this week is the growth stock Teladoc. Demand to visit a doctor's office virtually has soared since the pandemic as people try to avoid leaving the house. The number of virtual visits on Teladoc grew from 908 million last year to nearly 2.8 billion, which is an increase of 203%. However, it's important to address some of the recent criticism of Teladoc. Teladoc announced an $18.5 billion merger with Livongo Health, a company that focuses on treating chronically ill patients. This announcement led to shares of Teladoc dropping by more than 20%. But I see it differently, and so do many other investors. This dip could be your chance to snag a high growth opportunity at a discount. Telemedicine is an industry that could have a market value of $175 billion by 2026, an increase of 288% from its value in 2019. Additionally, the merger with Livongo Health, while expensive in the short term, will provide great scope and potential in the long term. Around 147 million people in the United States have a chronic condition. And now Teladoc will be able to target this group even better from the merger with Livongo Health. Plus, social dis distancing will be at the back of people's minds for unfortunately a while, maybe even a couple of years. Lastly, even as the pandemic improves, patients have experienced the convenience of virtual visits. They haven't had to wait in lines for, to see their doctor. And many might be hooked onto this platform.
in the long term, Teladoc is a great opportunity for you. When you said the word billions, I was all in after that, honestly. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, Meteor was all about how telemedicine has changed because of COVID. And I agree with him. Teladoc, because of that, is a great opportunity. Yeah, the pandemic has definitely encouraged a lot of new contactless services. And I see a great scope for telemedicine. So I think Teladoc is, has some serious potential. So last episode, we discussed Tesla and EVs a little bit. So we want to give some really interesting updates about these topics. Tesla has recently announced a five-for-one stock split which occurs on August 31st. Tesla's stock price during these past couple months has skyrocketed by in, and by initiating the stock split, they hope to cut the inv- individual stock price to entice new buyers. In other news, Nikola, the EV company we mentioned last episode, has indicated that they plan on entering the waste collection industry by implementing a fleet of electric powered garbage trucks. Man, electric-powered garbage trucks, that's going to be a sight. I'm excited for that. Um, Now, as we wrap up the show, me and Sylvan would like to talk about some of the most interesting sports highlights this week. Champions League, Sylvan. Man, it's been extremely interesting. For example, PSG was down 1-0 to to Atlanta until the 90th minute when they made a comeback with a 2-1 win in stoppage time. And underdogs Lyon also beat Manchester City and Juventus. Then there was uh, Bayern crushing Barcelona 8-2. Now I feel super bad for Messi, and I hope he leaves Barcelona. Like, Barcelona is super old, and he deserves better. Wait, wait, wait. Ani, you're, you're feeling speculation here. Like, where would you want him to go if he actually left here? Honestly, I would like like him to try out the Premier League. Like, you know, maybe try out Man City. It's pretty good. Why Man City? There's no, like, biased reason or anything? Just, like, just Man City, just tossing it out there? Nah, it's just a good-sounding name. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, in basketball, the NBA playoffs have been set as the Trailblazers have just beat the Grizzlies to secure the eighth seed in the West. I'm downright excited for the playoffs this year, and the fact that it's in the bubble might create opportunities for underdogs to pull off some serious upsets. It's going to be exciting to see who comes out of the East and West this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Clippers are going to come out uh, on top. They're going to win it all. So. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, sports have been really juicy. You're right. And Now let's talk about our next podcast. On our next podcast, we'll be talking about the startup scene in, in Atlanta, and also specifically for students at Georgia Tech. At, at Georgia Tech, students are asked to create the next, and with that mindset, a lot of students do so, and there's a great uh, passion and a great momentum in that direction in the startup industry. So we're going to talk about the startups with our special guests and recommend some of our favorite finance hacks at the end. Well, we enjoyed having you guys listen to this episode of Juice. Hope you all liked our discussion with me here. Ani and I will see you next week. Stay juicy. Juice.